Hello and welcome to Motorsport Week's F1 podcast series, Motorsport Speak, the show where we discuss about the latest that is happening in the world of Formula One. Tom Cantor, host, alongside Will Knight, Tom Featherston and Jordan Haynes. It's the Turkish Grand Prix this weekend, so we'll be looking ahead to the race at Istanbul. Can Lewis Hamilton extend his margin in the championship over Max Verstappen on the track where he had won his seventh world title at last year? Hello, Jordan. Hello, Tom. Hello, Will. How are we? Um, I don't know how you're feeling for this weekend. I'm most certainly excited for Turkey. Um, Will, on a track where Lewis clinched that seventh world championship in equal record equaling seventh world championship on a wet soaked Istanbul Park track. I don't suppose you'll be expecting to repeat this weekend. Obviously, he can't clinch it this weekend, but a victory at Istanbul could take him towards an eighth. Yeah, and obviously Hamilton has got several things sort of both in his favour and, and also sort of weighing down on him. He has the sort of the psychological advantage going into it. He's in the championship lead. He took that back at the last round. Um, and obviously, like you just said, we've got this history of Hamilton. He's won twice at the circuit before 2010 uh, and 2020, obviously. With uh, the GP2 win back in 2006, it's definitely a strong circuit for him. He, he knows what he's doing around there. And also the uh, the chance of rain that we've seen basically every weekend so far after the after the summer break, um, just showing how Formula One really is starting to get a bit more unpredictable in terms of the weather now as well. So I think it will be a good race uh, for all parties involved, and the engine penalties are going to make thing, things interesting if if he decides to take them this weekend. Jordan, we are expecting um, the Istanbul Park circuit to be grippier than what we saw last year. Mind you, last year's race was a bit of a last-minute one because the track had only been resurfaced a few weeks before the event and the weather threw another challenge into it and I think that pretty much showed Lewis Hamilton's um, supremacy and his uh, his skill on the, tr- on the, um, on the circuit. Um, this weekend, what are you hoping to see um, from the grid and, of course, from the circuit? Um, I think... It could be very much like um, Sochi, where we can see good penalties taking place. Um, Obviously, the main one being Lewis's. Um, So I think that will come into play once again. And if there's rain, it could be Sochi all over again, last minute um, surprises along the way. And yeah, I think it could be an interesting one. Tom, Istanbul, a fan's favourite particularly through that turn eight section, which I'm very much looking forward to see how um, this year's cars go through there, providing it is dry. I hope it is dry because we do want to see cars go really quick through there. This weekend's race is going to be quite something, isn't it? Providing I'm hoping there will be fans. I think there will be fans there. Um, I'm not sure how many, though, but it should put on a really, really brilliant Grand Prix and expect there to be a lot of action, just as there was last year. Yeah, I think either way, even if you get it in the wet, we saw what happened last season when it was added um, with the Aston Martins, uh, then Force Indias, how they kind of uh, dominated the scenes as well. So I think you do get, it is one of those based on conditions. I'm, I'm Again, it would be nice to have a dry track, but equally last season, it, it was still a great race as well. Um, there was a lot of mistakes happening all over the field in terms of, you know, the, the weather conditions with that. So I think it's going to be, um, I think Verstappen's going to uh, kind of going to bring it on as well. He's he's kind of looking at this track as an opportunity with Hamilton if he gets those um, those penalties to to do some damage as well. So yeah, I think it's going to be an out and out really strong race for them for the F1 calendar. 
So look, have a look at the championship then, because Lewis Hamilton only has a two-point lead. He did regain the lead thanks to that victory he picked up at Sochi last time out. Two points clear of Max Verstappen. So it's 246 and a half points playing 244 and a half. It's Valtteri Bottas in third on 151. Lando Norris in fourth on 139. Sergio Perez in fifth on 120. Carlos Sainz is in sixth position with that podium finish in, um, in Russia. 112 and a half points he has over his teammate Charles Leclerc in seventh on 104. Then it's Dan Ricciardo in eighth, continuing his good run of form on 95 points. Then it's Pierre Gasly in ninth on 66. And Fernando Alonso in tenth on 58. Esteban Ocon is in 11th on 45, followed by Sebastian Vettel in 12th on 35. Lance Stroll in 13th on 24. This Yuki Tsunoda in 14th on 18. George Russell picking up another point last time out in Sochi. He's in 15th on 16, followed by Nicholas Latifi in 16th with 7. Kimi Raikkonen has 6 points in 17th position. Antonio Giovinazzi in 18th with 1. Mick Schumacher, Robert Kibitza and Nikita Maspin have still yet to score a point this year. In the Constructors' Championship, Mercedes have a 33-point lead over Red Bull, 397 and a half playing 364 and a half. There's McLaren in third, crucially ahead of Ferrari by a 17 and a half point margin, 234 playing 216 and a half. There's Alpine in fifth on 103, Alpha Terry in sixth on 84, and Aston Martin in seventh on 59. Williams are in eighth, quite a distance ahead of Alfa Romeo at the moment. 16 points is the gap, 23 over seven of Alfa Romeo in ninth, and Haas are still the only team yet to pick up a point this year. So, the championship as it is, Will. Hamilton, only two points clear. It's pretty much game on at Istanbul. Who do you think is the favourite to come out on top of uh, at Istanbul? Or is there such thing as a favourite, given how the season's gone? I think, given the fact we haven't got a lot of data of dry running in terms of Turkey, because last season, and safe to say, I think, although it was a fantastic race, it was an embarrassment for the circuit. Here they are bringing in uh, their first appearance on the calendar since 2011 and the track wasn't it, obviously there were circumstances affecting it but the track wasn't right now that they've water blasted it and they should have hopefully cleaned it for a bit more grip I still can't see either team what which team will hold the advantage personally I, I'm not an engineer I don't know uh, which car will perform better around the circuit perhaps someone else can explain that better than I do but in terms of the psychological aspect of the drivers, on one hand, Hamilton has just retaken the championship lead. He's won his 100th Grand Prix victory in Russia, um, the, the only centurion in terms of race wins. On the other hand, Verstappen's taken what hopefully he, he will be hoping will be his last engine penalty of the season. He went from last on the grid to second. That is a win for Red Bull. They've got it out of the way hopefully Honda and then won't have to worry about it. So perhaps Verstappen could be thinking if Hamilton has a bit harder of a time, we could really capitalise on it. it if, if it's difficult to overtake and Hamilton can't cut through the field, I'm not saying that the, the car wouldn't be able to or he wouldn't be able to, but if he isn't able to, then we could see the championship swing from a two-point advantage for Hamilton to a 24-point advantage for Verstappen if Hamilton doesn't score points and Verstappen takes the fastest lap and the race win. So it's really one of the best championship fights I've seen in a while, and I, I can't see who's going to be the favourite this weekend. Mm -hmm. You mentioned about the grip on the Istanbul Park, which takes us on to this um, story here. So everyone is expecting a grippier Istanbul for its 2021 round. Formula One teams are expecting greater levels of grip at this year's Turkish Grand Prix in the wake of last season's struggles at Istanbul Park. 
Turkey was drafted into the schedule in 2020 as part of a heavily overhauled calendar because of the pandemic. Istanbul had not been used for World Championship level events for several years, and as a result, officials opted to resurface the track ahead of Formula One's return. Drivers encountered little grip during Friday's dry weather running, with lap time seconds off what had been predicted, while cool and wet conditions accentuated matters further across the rest of the weekend. But work undertaken at Istanbul Park since last year's event, in conjunction with the natural evolution of the tarmac, should aid matters for this weekend's round. Pirelli has also gone one step softer with its compounds for Formula 1's return this weekend, with the C2s, C3s and C4s available. I think we've now got a good understanding of the track, said Aston Martin Performance Director Tom Collett. As for, the, as for the tarmac this year, let's find out when we get there. Recently, the FIA sent out the usual pre-race document to the teams and told us that the entire track surface has been treated to increase the grip level. First of all, ageing a year helps it, and additional water blasting undertaken by the circuit is also beneficial. The hardest thing when we're doing our offline simulations and simulator work is to know the grip level of the track. That determines what you do, how you operate the tyres and what downforce and drag level you run, etc. So that's where at the moment, so, so that's where we're, we are at the moment and we've just got to go there open-minded. And that's the big question mark really. We'll probably ripple out in largely the average pace order of this year if people get all their ducks in a row. But if they don't, then we'll try and seize the opportunity. Aston Martin, under its racing point guys, performed strongly at last year's round with Lance Stroll claiming pole position and Sergio Perez taking second in the race. So Tom, Istanbul Park obviously having its water blast um, to help with the, um, the grip levels um, that the drivers struggled to find last year. I mean, it was pretty much an ice cream when Formula went there. Um, I think it's only right because um, for the circuit, it was quite an embarrassment uh, with there being a lack of grip. But thankfully, it should all be amended this time around. Yeah, I think so. Again, it's been a year since uh, since it was last raced. Anyway, you get the the natural, um, I guess, progression of the track, and um, you know the maturity of the track as well in terms of you know natural wearing. Anyway, so I think it shouldn't be too much of an issue. The the kind of problem last season as well is it was reintroduced, so you didn't really know. Uh, they decided to kind of resurface it for last season's race anyway. Um, so, yeah, you were kind of going into the unknown, especially with the wet conditions anyway, being a, a newly resurfaced track, you, you're always going to get issues with that. Um, again, like you said as well, with the C2s, C3s, C4s as well, we're kind of looking at a more, uh, you know, softer tyre allocations as well. So I think it, it should hopefully be okay as well. Make uh, make for a nice quick track as well. Um, you've got quite a lot of um, short, long straights as well. Um, so hopefully there'll be there'll be enough overtaking that will happen during the uh, during the race as well. Yeah, Jordan, um, from your time since you started watching Formula One, Istanbul was pretty much one of the circuits on the calendar for Formula One. I mean, Formula One machines were different back then. What are you sort of expecting in terms of the racing this time around? Um, in comparison to what we've seen in the past? Um, all depends on the weather. We could have an absolutely crazy race or we could just have a dry track and obviously there'll be some good overtakes, but as we didn't get to really see that last year, it could um, it could throw things up in the air and be completely different. Um, so I don't know what we could expect, but I am looking forward to it. 
So the Intercity Istanbul Park, as well, it's officially known as there, um, held its first Grand Prix in 2005. It's a 58 lap race of a circuit length of 5.3 kilometers. The lap record, that's the race lap record I'm on about, is currently held by Juan Pablo Montoya in 2005, in that inaugural race in, um, in 05. There are two DRS zones, one on the back straight that just goes through the kink of turn 11 and the other on the start finish straight. So when was the track built? Well, the work began on the circuit in Akfirat, around an hour's drive east of Istanbul. In 2003, with the Herman Tilke design track readied in August 2005, having had $40 million lavished on it. So no need to mention about when was the first Grand Prix, as I've just mentioned that, but what I will tell you is that it was a drama-filled race that was won by Kimi Raikkonen in the McLaren with Mark Webber and Michael Schumacher famously coming together when Webber tried to unlap himself. So what's the circuit like? Well, there's no doubt that Istanbul is one of the best tracks ever penned by Tilke, with parts of the circuit have been compared over the years to similar features at Spa-Francorchamps, Interlagos and Laguna Seca. The crown jewel of Intercity Istanbul Park, however, remains turn eight, an incredibly fast, bumpy, multi-apex downhill left-hander. That's a proper test of driver's commitment. So yeah, Will, it's, it's a track that I'm sure drivers very much love racing up. I think the reason why obviously came off the calendar was because of um, attendance, uh, attendance um, issues. But with it being given a second year in a row, bearing in mind we are still in the middle of the pandemic, what would have been the Singapore race, we should still be in for a classic Grand Prix again. Turkey was always one of my favourites purely because of, like you just said, it is a modern classic of a circuit. You've got turn one, the, the corkscrew style corner, turn eight, I think uh, nicknamed Diabolica because of how just fantastic a corner it was it's one of the only corners at the circuit which has been given a name by fans it's just one of those tracks which we all loved and in 2011 when it was taken off uh, I think the last one at Sebastian Vettel um, it, it was a real shame uh, and a lot of the drivers loved it Felipe Massa used to go very well around there uh, I think he won the race three or four times I can't remember whether it was three or four, four. I think it might have been three um, but it was it was a circuit you could rely on to produce a good race. And that's what I think we're lacking in Formula One nowadays with so many street circuits being brought in and obviously new additions to the calendar, which we'll get onto later. We, we I miss Turkey, to be honest, and I do hope that there is a chance in the future, a very unlikely chance, although that it could return as a full time venue because the Turkish Grand Prix is just sort of one of those circuits which I look at and think it's. It's one of the tracks that I, I really do miss from the Formula 1 calendar. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of Formula 1 fans would wish you to be playing that um, in the latest F1 game. Unfortunately, that obviously wasn't um, designed um, in ready for, um, for this year's game or in last year's. But hopefully, maybe next year, should Istanbul be called back in, it may prompt um, Codemasters to put that in the F1 2022 game, but more of that further down the line. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, Istanbul is a, is a wonderful racetrack. I mean, we've had only eight races there. I mean, the one last year was the first one since uh, 2011. But it's just such a gorgeous racetrack to actually go racing at. And through that turn eight section, you can be able to get moved on into the left-hander of turn nine. Or you can get it done at the hairpin of turn 12. And there's enough overtaking opportunities there. Either way, it makes for a good circuit. And just to mention about Felipe Massi, he said there, well, he's won there three times from pole position in consecutive years. So from 06, 07 and 08 one there so he is the most successful driver um, at Istanbul Park even though he's not currently on the F1 grid. So Tom who do you reckon is going to be going into Istanbul 
you know, as the the most optimistic, because obviously we've had Red Bull taking that engine penalty of which Will mentioned in Russia, they must feel that they've got every chance. I mean, Ferrari could do well because it's a truck that's favoured Ferrari in the past. Mm. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. I'd say you have to look at Verstappen. You've got to look at Red Bull at the moment. They've they've done what they've needed to do. An excellent drive um, at Sochi as well. Coming Finishing in second, that's, that's a dream from Verstappen finishing, well, starting at the back of the grid anyway. So you have to look at, I guess... Um, just taking it all into account really and you just got to say Verstappen's in in a strong point again though Hamilton Mercedes you can never write them off I think you do have to question Bottas and that kind of team commitment now he will be going um, moving away so yeah I, I think Hamilton again you can never write him off Verstappen is is probably in pole position um, to come in with the confidence but again depending on whether we spoke about it several times already but all what it takes is a bit of rain to to completely change the field and I also think it's one of those races that could really see again we've we've spoken about Aston Martin and teams like um, Alpine as well just coming to the forefront in certain situations with Alonso you know drivers like that so again with the experienced drivers as well Vettel, Alonso etc even Kimi you just don't know what will happen. They can proper um, change the order of the of the front runners as well, um, mixing into the pack. Yeah, Jordan, um, the weather is quite a questionable one because I think at the moment we're not expecting rain on the Friday, but possibly on the Saturday or the Sunday. Yeah, I think the rain is meant to start just before the races to start. I think um, so. It. I think it'll be very last minute. I do. I don't think that it'll be raining all day, and I think it will catch some teams off guard. Um, so I don't. I don't know what could happen, um, but it's one of those things. If it rains, it rains. And it could even be wet for a qualifying as well. So whilst we may had uh, rain on the Saturday, and of course sun, uh, rain on the Sunday, it could make for another interesting wet Turkish Grand Prix. Which you know, when you think of turkey you don't think of rain you don't associate it with rain yeah we could end up having it for two years in a row albeit we had it in um in an earlier time this time because obviously it was in november last year this year it's um it's a month earlier so in terms of the warm weather the track should dry up sooner um that's my take on it so let's go into a bit of news then because on thursday last week f1 has confirmed that qatar is being confirmed on the f1 calendar uh, for 2021 and it's also signed a 10-year agreement from 2023. So Formula will visit Qatar for the first time this November with the LaSalle International Circuit confirmed as the venue for the 20th round of the season. A 10-year agreement starting from 2023 has also been reached between Formula 1 and officials in Qatar. Formula 1 has reshuffled its calendar several times this year owing to the ongoing disruption caused by the pandemic and associated travel restrictions. The cancellation of Australia's postponed events planned for November the 21st opened a vacancy in the schedule. It has now been finally confirmed that Qatar's LaSalle International Circuit will fill the void with the event likely to take place at twilight. It creates a triple header of Mexico, Brazil and Qatar, enabling Formula One personnel based in the United Kingdom to avoid the hotel quarantine period that is mandatory when returning from the American countries. 
Qatar's LaSalle International Circuit has never hosted Formula One, but it has been a staple of the MotoGP schedule since 2004. The, the venue has also held a round of the GP2 Asia Series in 2009 that was won by current Red Bull racer Sergio Perez. A 10-year agreement has also been reached for the Qatar Grand Prix to be held annually from 2023. The new deal will come into effect after the country's status as World Cup host is complete. A location is yet to be set for the Qatar round from 2023. I congratulate Formula One, the Qatar Motor and Motorcycle Federation and the Qatari authorities who have worked tirelessly to quickly and efficiently make the inaugural Grand Prix in Qatar happen in these challenging times, said FIA President Jean Top. The LaSalle International Circuit, which will welcome the race, has been working closely with us to ensure they are fully prepared for this momentous occasion. We are very proud of this collective achievement. I thank the, K, uh, the QMMF President Abdullahran Al-Manai and His Excellency Salah bin Ghanem Al-Ali, Minister of Culture and Sports, for their involvement. This commitment to F1 for the long term, as well as the organisation of the 2022 FIFA World Cup and many other international events, is another example of Qatar's strong passion for sport. So I think that was the worst kept secret finally revealed, guys, of Qatar joining the F1 calendar. On the LaSalle International Circuit, um, Will, I don't know what your knowledge is like on this track, but we do know that MotoGP has been there in the past and apparently it's been good for bikes, but is it good for single seaters? I mean, in all honesty, I, I heard that the sale was coming onto the circuit and I just, I sort of shrugged, to be honest with you. Um, it's not a circuit that I'm uh, not, not trying to be harsh or anything. I'm not particularly interested in it. it it's made for bikes. Um, I think it should have stayed for bikes, um, regardless of any like different uh, like contextual issues, like anything like that. GP2 Asia race there. Uh, I think it was a it was an all right round. It was like you said, Sergio Perez and Nico Hulkenberg. I think won the two races. So I'm not excited for it, but it's it's another round on the calendar. Uh, it's something to to watch. So ten years. Um, that's not with the circuit. That's that's with Qatar. So we could see a brand new circuit or, or a street circuit or something brought in uh, to to replace it in 2023. So it, it is what it is, really, but I'm not, I'm not really that excited for it. Yeah. Tom, um, Will's not excited for the Qatar race, but are you? Because Mil Will mentioned um, in 2023 that it's likely to be a different venue to the one we're going to in 2021. And I've looked to see that there is a possibility of a street circuit in Doha, Qatar's capital. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like with the World Cup, it's it's where the money is. It's where it's where you know you've got the Liberty Media as well. It's it's kind of always been in the plans to kind of grow on that success, get more money into the brand again, take take some uh, a country like Qatar and what they're doing as well, and and kind of you know looking commercially, it, it kind of makes sense, even though the racing probably doesn't. Again, with that though. You know, we've we've seen in the past. I know people weren't really as keen with uh, the likes of Abu Dhabi, Yas Marina. Personally, that's one of, I quite like that track as well. So you know, we can't ever write it off. It's it's got. We have to kind of give it this opportunity to to see what it does and see how we can do it again. At the moment, I I don't know too much about the track at the minute. By the sounds of it, again, it's it's not really built for the uh, for Formula One. But again. 
there's there's potential i would probably like to see you know probably less developed countries taking on the task like we've seen with countries like vietnam taking on tracks we've seen how their their city tracks can work so um yeah it's one of those things at the end of the day money talks commercially it makes sense we just got to see with the development over 10 years maybe it might change in 2023 or maybe it might just work we just just gotta wait and see Gordon, are you pretty much in limbo with this track because i've seen some simulations like on the boards of it um, in like a car of this year on which i've seen a few youtubers do your take on the circuit itself um it just it feels it feels like a bit of bahrain but not as good as it yeah i was just thinking that it does look a bit like bahrain and i've had lots of people come to me and say oh it's a bit like bahrain 2.0 um but we won't get as good as racing there um i'm a bit 50 50 with it i'm willing to give it a chance but i don't know if it's going to do well, um, like the others have said, obviously MotoGP ride around there and it's not made for Formula One, so why would you have a Grand Prix there at the end of the day? Um, but if they do change it to a street circuit, um, 2023 onwards, then it could be completely different to the one we're having this year. So it's, it's, very diff like hard to see what could happen in the future if they will change the track um but yeah i'm 50 50. yeah i mean i want to reserve judgment on the circuit um until it's actually hosted it and i'm i for one don't want this year to be the only time someone ever races at the la Salle international circuit i just feel we need more events there than just the one before we choose to judge on it see how it goes if it's decent, then it's an option for future years in case something um, falls flat on it. It could well be that if China and Australia, which is expected to be on the calendar in the April period, maybe Qatar could be an option just to sort of vilify, because we've got Bahrain and Saudi Arabia at the beginning of next year expected. Could Qatar be another option to go there just to vilify? I don't know. So we'll, um, we'll wait and see. But either way, the LaSalle International Circuit in Qatar will be on the F1 calendar this year on the weekend of the 19th and the 21st of November in place of what would have been the Australian Grand Prix. On to another story, and it's to do with next year also, because uh, one third of 2022 races is to feature the sprint format, according to the Formula CEO, Stefano Carli. So F1 had planned to expand to 23 races this season, but cancellations because of the ongoing pandemic forced several races off the calendar, including Canada, China, Australia and Japan. The sports bosses have, however, found replacements for the most with Imla, Turkey, sorry, Imla and Turkey standing in once again this season, like they did in 2020. Plus, there are new additions in the Netherlands, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia. Whilst COVID remains a major global threat, countries are beginning to reopen and the chances of races not going ahead next year is greatly reduced, allowing F1 to have another go at hosting a record-breaking calendar. I can anticipate that for sure. The 2022 calendar will be done with 23 races, Domenico League told Sky Sports F1. Of course, we will be very respectful towards the COVID regulations issued around the world from the different governments, but that is our aim that F1 can give this sign of hope to go to, an, uh, to normal things to enjoy. 
The calendar will also be more compact than at present, with plans to start in March and end in November, rather than stretching out into the December like this year, which sees both Saudi Arabia, so which Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi taking place in the final month of the year. One thing I can tell you without discovering too many things is that next year, the season will start in the middle of March and will finish in the middle of November, added the former Ferrari team boss. So the expansion of the sprint format, Domenicali uh, also revealed that, that the new for 2021 sprint format will be expanded to one third of races next year, which means between seven and eight events, we will host a short Saturday race to determine the grid for Sunday's main event. The format was trialled this year with the British and Italian rounds hosting a sprint event, whilst Brazil is set to host the third and final trial. Domenicali says with a mainly positive reaction to the trial, it would be expanded next year. We said at the beginning of the year there would be three tests this year to make sure we have the right plan for the future, he added. The vast majority of the comments we received were super positive. Promoters are super happy because there is something new and important on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I can say we will not go everywhere with the spring quality format. It is something we want to keep for one third of the races, more or less, and to connect with a certain different way of giving rewards and points and to connect with specific circuits that, as you know, would make the difference. So there's a lot, of food, uh, a lot of food for thought. We will involve all the stakeholders, broadcasters, drivers, teams, promoters, and fans. We won't forget our role is to take the right decision and to consider all the points and points of view of everyone. So it's expected that the sprint, uh, the sprint format is to feature in seven out of, uh, in either seven or eight races, uh, eight Grand Prix this year, Tom. Um, who, have you been a fan of the format? I don't know if we had this discussion before, but how do you react to all this? Um, I'm, I'm quite like 50-50 with it, to be honest. I'm quite a, like a traditionalist when it comes to Formula One. Um, so I do quite like the, the standard qualifying um, and then the, the race week, uh, the Sunday um, race day. So for me, again, I, I don't mind it if it, if it doesn't just become a parade of cars, I feel that's that can be an issue. That's probably something we have seen as well. We've still got Brazil coming up um, again at the, the end of this season. So I do think, yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of going to hold judgment until I've seen how it's how Brazil has gone as well. But I think that there's potential there. They have to look as well. We've spoken about it, but what you know, um, they're trying to do for the sport, trying to make it exciting, get younger audiences in, you know, the, see as much overtaken as possible um, and just mix it up really. But I know uh, a few drivers like Vettel, even um, George Russell, they've come out and said, you know, it's, it's again, it's they're not massive fans of it. They, they're kind of worried it can just be after lap one, that's kind of the end result that you get anyway. So maybe there's a different way to be doing these sprint races. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold judgment until Brazil. But again, for me as a traditionalist, I, I personally would like to see it, see just a, a normal race weekend personally. Jordan, I don't know how many times we've said the word sprint and race together. Where, where would be the best places to be having these sprints um, as expected for next year? Um, it's a tough one, like deciding where. Obviously, I think they'd do it at Silverstone again and Monza. Um, but for 
they I don't see them doing it at the new tracks like Miami next year. Um, so it's a bit a bit of a tough one because you do want to see some overtaking. Obviously, the point is for the drivers to get up further at the grid, and um, it it is tough deciding on where. And having seven compared to three, it's very different, and um, it could change the whole order of things on a race weekend. Um, so I, I'm not too sure who they choose, but they've got to choose the right ones. Well, um, we've still got another sprint race to come this year in Brazil, and we've got all the sprint races expected next year. We don't know where they're going to be yet. Um, but Stefano Domenicali's plans of 23 races and having seven or eight sprints, is that a confirmation that he has taken what people have said on board, particularly promoters, fans, and everything else? Because there seems to be mixed feelings around everything that he's decided on or everything that he has said on. When Sprint was first introduced this season, when everyone was complaining about it, essentially, like saying, like, Formula One shouldn't be, like, taking something that works and trying to change it, um, my argument was always that 2021 was a year that was never supposed to happen. We were supposed to have the new regulations in, so we might as well test something new and see if it works. And Stefano Domenicale has been someone who's willing to take risks he's openly stated uh in uh, i think it was a youtube video a few months ago near the beginning of the season he had like a stefano and a stefar yes you know, become quite an iconic sort of meme format um he's, he came out and said that there would be a race in africa over the uh, over the next five years um and now with qatar added to have a race in africa that would have to be 24 25 races per season uh which i think is is too many for formula one but what he i understand the reasoning behind it it's almost the, the drive to survive effect because drive to survive makes it seem so much more formula one so much more exciting and loud and impressive than people tune in and see the engines aren't as loud as, as what they are they they are amplified for entertainment effect with all of these fans coming in the idea of a short sprint race format like bam racing immediately action every day it's going to boost viewing figures and that's what this is all about it's about making sure that viewing figures are boosted and everyone's watching across the three days the only issue is for me seven or eight seems a bit too many i think three at circuits which you wouldn't get as much action at anyway i think that's not acceptable but it would work if that makes sense just three one-off like events that's it but a third of the calendar people are going to turn around and start saying things like oh but Verstappen wouldn't have won the championship if it wasn't for those or seven uh, 21 points he scored in the in the sprint format it, it's going to start pe making people a little bit more angry at the format and it qualifying does work the format that I think we have works the only thing I would say is take away one of the practice sessions and replace it with a standalone event or something, a standalone race which doesn't affect the rest of the weekend. And that way it maintains the setup of the Formula One race weekend and gives people a bit more action and the team's a little bit less data. It, it ticks all the boxes. So seven or eight personally for me is a bit too many, maybe four or five maximum. Like a quarter, is, it's not as bad as a third. There's not much difference, but... Every little helps at the end of the day. Yeah. 
So maybe um, next year could be used as some form of trial. Um, you know, the scenes have liked it. I think the part of the reason why they want to keep it is because it's been talked about over the course of the year more than the fact that we've seen a lot of racing in it. Now, we've only had two sprint races in Formula One. We've still got one more to go to, which is in Brazil, which is expected to be a 24 lap sprint. Uh, but I expect there to be a more overtaking, I would say, than what we saw at Monza. And I think next year's cars are going to be different anyway. So we need to see how they cope under the format and whether it is something for the future um, for Formula One. But I agree with what you're saying. I don't think they should rate. I think I was going to say, I agree with what Jordan was saying that I don't think they should do it in Miami because I think Miami needs to prove itself like both, you know, in qualifying and in a normal race format. Uh, to really cement its place in the calendar, which could be, end up being one of the best venues that Formula has been to in recent times. But we'll see. Um, and only time will tell whether it does work um, with next year's cars. We could see more um, action than, than, than we think. And then that's, the, that's what we want. We want to see track action and uh, more and more drivers involved going for the race victories. Moving away from that, um, it's in relation to Pirelli next, and it's, they will be concluding their 18-inch tyre test programme this month. So Pirelli has secured a date to complete the final laps of this year's 18-inch tyre test programme. The test will take place on October the 18th at the Paul Ricard Circuit, home of the French Grand Prix, with Alpine in attendance. It will be run under wet conditions, with Pirelli gathering data on the intermediate and wet tyre compounds. Pirelli's 2021 programme was scheduled to conclude on September the 16th at Magni Corps. However, technical issues for the Alpine car meant zero laps were completed. Pirelli, how, Pirelli who has been Formula 1's sole tyre supplier since 2011, successfully conversed with the FIA over a new date, which allows it to finish its schedule for the year. 18-inch tyres will be used full-time in F1 in 2022 and will be introduced as part of a wider set of new technical regulations. Pirelli began its 2021 test programme in February and has visited eight circuits throughout the year with the new tyres in preparation for next season. So Jordan, um, Pirelli have got another test still to do with um, Paul Ricard. If you recall when Danica Fiat did the test for Alpine at Magni Corps, they couldn't do all the mileage they needed to have done because of the issues they had. Uh, but now Paul Ricard, as we know, is a good testing ground for the car. Um, another chance for some testing for the 18-inch tyres to complete its programme for the year. Yeah, I couldn't really see them doing testing anywhere else. Um, obviously, Alpine was meant to do it last time, so obviously that's why they're doing it this time. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they feel the tyres are, because um, obviously there has been some teams saying to people how the tyres are and that they're good and um, very different to now. Um, but it'll be interesting to hear the feedback um, and the last one. So obviously people are happy with them and using them next year. Um, well, this tyre test that's been going on or the tyre test that Pirelli have done this year um, seems to have worked so far. Obviously the technical issue, which is nothing to do with Pirelli, it was just something which um, Alpine had in like the power unit or something. Um, how are you feeling about the 18-inch tyres, both dry and wet? I mean, I must admit, I haven't really sort of looked at the 18-inch tyres too much um, this year. Um, but one thing I have taken note of, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I haven't seen Williams complete a test yet on these new tyres. 
um, whether that's money related or, or whether they just don't want to. I, I haven't seen them do it, um, which to me is quite surprising given it's such a, a, although it doesn't seem major, it's such a big change in terms of the operating window of the tyres, the, the amount of wear that they have. And that could actually be putting them on, on quite a, 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 on the back foot. It's a good thing that Albon has been completing some of these tests because otherwise I think they, they would have no um, knowledge whatsoever. From what I've seen, I like the look of them. Formula 2 certainly been showing off their use and, and what they can do. Um, and I think it'll be it'll be good for the sport to to get onto some new tyres, especially considering the last few ranges of Pirellis have caused some issues for the teams in, in terms of uh, the operating windows. I know drivers haven't been able to push them as much because they've got to keep on managing the tyres and make sure that they can fit the one-stop strategy. So hopefully it should make the racing better. Tom, Pirelli have been around in Formula 1 um, in different stints, actually. I mean, they were around in the... Um, in the 80s and then think from 89 to 91 and then from 2011 up to the present day um they've done a superb job with um the tire compounds that they've delivered i mean of course we all remember that spectrum of 2018 that saw seven different dry compounds in that including the hypersoft yes that's how far we've come since then but with the 18 inch this is probably the biggest jump they've made um since coming back um into formula one yeah um i'm i'm quite looking forward to it actually it's it, visually they look great it's it's kind of it's kind of cartoonish but in the way you want to see an f1 car nice kind of meaty tires on it as well so um again it should make for um you know kind of quicker racing uh, with all of it as the tires are anyway it's kind of um again ultimately with the 2022 regulations changing i just think it's it's kind of the the, the cherry on on top really so for me visually great again if it can produce better racing more dynamic um you know opportunities as well they're a bigger tire so that could provide some some more issues as well which um Again, it's, it's time will tell with that kind of thing. But again, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think Pirelli as well, you have to think, again, the, the sport's ever evolving as well. People have, have kind of scrutinised Pirelli, sometimes rightly so, but also it's it's one of those things. It's, it's the pinnacle of motorsport, so you kind of have to keep evolving. And there are going to be issues and developments and problems along the way, especially um, in Formula One. But I think... I think it'll be a good thing. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him, uh, seeing the likes of a Mercedes with those big chunky tyres on, that's for sure. Yeah, and the same with Red Bull as well. And um, so the final test is to be done later for Ricard this month. Alpine doing it, and we expect it to be Danik Fiat um, doing that test for them, although nothing is certain as of yet. Going on to Mercedes, because Lewis Hamilton is actually open to the silver livery return. Now, Lewis Hamilton says he's open to having the Mercedes change its livery uh, back to silver for the 2022 Formula One season. Ahead of the delayed 2020 campaign, Mercedes switched to an all-black livery, which was retained this year as part of its pledge to increase diversity in the team and support anti-racism movements. The change marked Mercedes's first livery alteration since it returned to F1 in 2010, with the team commonly referred to as the Silver Arrows. Hamilton admits he is not opposed to swapping back to Mercedes' traditional colours, affirming it will not end the internal changes the team has implemented throughout the previous 16 months. I don't have a particular feeling towards it, Hamilton said. I'm not involved in that for next year. It is originally a Silver Arrows. When I asked if we could go back to the 
go to make the car black last year in terms of the symbolism and what we intend to do moving forward in terms of support. I wasn't expecting it to last particularly long and we carried it into a second season, which is awesome. If it goes back, it will be a nice change. It doesn't deter us from the changes that we are making internally as we continue to truly push for, di uh, to, for diversity, even working with all of our partners. Even with the day, the, even the other day with UBS, we had these young kids come. We tried to inspire the next generation of engineers from all different backgrounds. We've got a good programme going, so it doesn't make a difference. Last December, Mercedes launched the Accelerate 25 programme, which, which aims to see 25% of all new starters at the team come from underrepresentative groups until the end of 2025. Hamilton too has done work of his own, creating the Hamilton Commission, which found that just 1% of F1 employees come from black backgrounds, with several recommendations outlined in order to improve the situation going forward. So, I'll ask you this question then, um, Will. The black livery or the silver livery? I mean, whatever I say, it's going to annoy someone because everyone has their own opinions on, on stuff. That's just the way Formula One is these days. Um, I think the black livery has served its job. Uh, it was brought in last year uh, with all of the uh, the Black Lives Matter movements going on, uh, Formula One's We Race As One, uh, whatever your opinions are on that. It, it, it raised awareness and all of these, the Hamilton Commission, Accelerate 25, uh, the amount of focus that L Lewis especially has put on um, the, the issues within not only the, the sport, but uh, the global environment. Um, it's, it's really impressive to see. And I think this is one of the, the, the key examples of how sport can influence the world. And, and I'm happy to see it doing so. I think obviously, uh, I don't think it's a, it's a question of um, your opinion, but on basic human um, morality that a, a person should not be, um, judged on any external factors from their control and if someone's black if someone's white they should be given uh, their job based on their performance not any of those factors so I'm I would be personally quite happy to see the Silver Arrows return I think it's their brand uh, 2010 they, they brought it back with the Patrona sponsorship it's remained the same majority uh, the, the majority of the, the livery has has been kept and it's it's their history at the end of the day the 1950s they stripped the i think it was the 19 could have been the 20s uh, they stripped the white paint off of their cars because they realized it would go faster and they raced uh, in the silver aluminium colors for the first time um and i think mercedes need to sort of readopt their um their own identity and it it's not that big of a change they can still obviously uh, they don't need a livery to keep on pushing this in, internal change within the team and making sure that uh, people from ethnic minorities are, are, are better represented. It's it's a sign that obviously Russell's coming in next year, uh, a, a fantastic thing. It'll be really good to see the, the two silver arrows flying it out just like they did from 2014 to 2016. Jordan, um, I've been enjoyed the black livery um, says It felt weird a little bit when he came onto the track in Austria in 2020. But now I'm very much used to it. And when it goes back to the silver livery um, next season, it's going to feel... It's going to feel quite different, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. But I think it will go down as one of probably the most remembered um, because of the meaning behind it. Um, and it's, it's, I don't see them keeping it any longer than two years because they are the Silver Arrows and it, it just, it's just not their brand, like Will said. Um, so 
I'm looking forward to the Silver Arrows coming back. Um, but I completely agree with what Will said, saying that Hamilton won't stop just because of the colour of the car he drives. Um, he'll very much push forward what he's been doing the past two years um, for a very long time in the future. Tom, we understand the black livery of this um, Mercedes machine, which has been employed for the last 16 months, obviously to fight um, against racism and to help for diversity. Um, and it's clearly worked. Um, it's clearly provoked a lot of people in a positive way. Um, but I think now there just there needs to be other ways of getting their message across, if you want to put it in those words, than just having a black liveried machine. Because there's other things. I mean, to be honest, it's like having a black liveried machine is like selling a T-shirt that's like an anti-racism T-shirt to, you know, a local football fan or something like that. Yeah, you also, I guess, don't want to, if you continued down the route um, with the black um, livery, it, it, you don't want to dilute it. I don't think it would, but I think also you have to think, um, you know, if it becomes a, a staple thing, I think the, the, the message is more profound in this past two seasons, especially with what's gone on in the world. And you've got the Black Lives Matter movement as well. I think it's, it, puts it down well in history with with everything else that's gone on so for me personally i think it's probably a right time for it to go um i've loved it as well i kind of i like black cars on the uh on the track as well they just something about them i think a lot of a lot of fans really enjoyed um seeing the car as well but yeah i think you just you don't want to dilute the message or forget about the message again i don't i don't think that would happen at all but equally um yeah, it's it's one of those things. If Hamilton's happy, he's seen. Obviously, none of us have the insight of what is seen and the progress being made within the in the internals in in Mercedes. But again, it it sounds like it's going well. He's happy with the mark that he's he's put on the team. Again, he asked for it as well. We've got to remember that he asked to see if it can be changed, and you know they actually did that. So. Um, yeah, it's it's great to see the effect that a driver can have on a team as well, not just the opposite way around. And again, it's uh, it's been a great car, a great look, and potentially now it's time to get the silver arrows back. Yeah, and I, I perfectly agree with it. And I think the time is right because now we understand the message via you know a, a black livery machine. Why not do? Why not carry the um, carapane by doing? something different to carry the message across to other people sure there needs to be a bigger way let's say than just having a black livery machine or um black you know sort of anti-racism like merchandise that they all sell just to sort of hey we are no to racism we are a fully diverse team we want to be hiring people who may come from like underrepresented backgrounds to help improve diversity going forward and that's the way not just with mercedes but you know formula one as well because that's why we've got the we we were as one campaign um even though there's like countries that you know are kind of against lgbtq or whatever you want to call it i won't mention who they are but it's just that's where the team stands against racism or any form of discrimination whatsoever so whether it's their color their um, religion whether it's their sexuality whatever it may be mercedes is a diverse outfit and that's what they're trying to do and it's pretty much the same 
with all the um, the other teams as well and what Formula One um, is planning to do, you know, for the um, for the long term future. So that's where I um, that's where I stand with it anyway. We'll answer a question from um, Jonah, guys, because he's coming with a question. And he's basically saying, um, could McLaren become title contenders in 2022? We'll start with Will for this one. Ah, uh, um, 2022 is such a, a weird year. Um, I'm personally looking forward to the likes of, uh, of Aston Martin and Alpine. Um, they're, they're the main ones I'm keeping an eye on uh, in terms of the, the way that they progress. Um, McLaren, I think, are probably two, one of the teams in the best position because although they're in this fight with Ferrari for third in the championship, I don't think the team are going to sacrifice an entirely new set of regulations just to beat Ferrari in one season. Uh, Lando Norris uh, lost out on his first win um, in Russia. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo is starting to get back on his feet now um, with the team, uh, especially after that win in Monza. It's a very good pair. It's a very good team and a very good set of engineers. So I think if some other team, like a Braun situation, does not erupt, I think McLaren will be will be up there. Whether they're title contenders or just one-off race winners, like Ferrari were in 2019, they won three races, but they weren't necessarily in the fight for the title. I think we we could possibly see a situation like that, but I, I hope that McLaren will be back to the top because we need a lot of teams fighting for this this championship with what Formula One are actually aiming for. Jordan, McLaren, are they genuine cycle contenders next year with Lando Norris and Dan Ricciardo? I mean, there's still a long way to go because we've got a new car, but with how they've done this year, it can only get better for them from here. Coming off the back of what they've been building the past couple of years, I'd say yes. But then looking at next year with all the new regulations, I don't think you can write anyone off. Um, I do think the championship will be a lot closer. So um, it's a bit of a tough one. I'd like to say yes, obviously, with what Will said about like Lando and Daniel, they work really well together. We all saw that in Monza. Um, and I just I just don't think you can write them off just yet. No. Tom, uh, McLaren obviously been improving in the last few years. Um, from where they were in like 2017, where they were only ninth in the constructors, they've made a rise up the grid and they've won race. Well, they've won a race now this year, but can they win more races? And if so, is that going to be enough to confirm them as title contenders? Yeah, definitely. We could be having a different conversation now if uh, Lando, you know, is only a, a lap or two away from winning this past race. So, you, you know, if, if they're competing at the moment, sitting in third in the constructors, I don't see why you can't. It can't be you know up there again next season they're de uh, developing team again they've got the perfect combination in terms of ricardo and norris and it, they are the, the kind of they seem obviously they've been in the sport for years but they do seem more like now they've restructured one probably the most exciting team because you've got the drivers there i think the balance and and the ownership everything's now seems to be going in the right direction again they're fighting at the moment and again 2022 is just going to be a year where anybody could could come out of the the pack you can see we could be talking now seeing mercedes and red bull but who says they're going to be any better than your aston martins or your your alpines you just don't know it's kind of kind of a bit like a clean slate really um 
so you don't really know where the focus is for for the cars for this season and how much they're trying to put in this season compared to next season. Um, you know, they, they each team are are going to say yes, we are focusing on next season, but you you don't know how far ahead they are. So again, yeah, McLaren, I don't see why they can't be competing at all. They've got probably the most exciting driver up there with Russell at the moment in terms of Norris. Again, he was so close to winning this race and um, you never know. He, he could be world champion this time. Well, but at the end of next season, should I say? Yeah, potentially. I, I, I would agree with you. I think, you know, with Ricardo pretty much getting back into his um, A game at the moment, I think he's got every chance as well as, well as Norris to um, take McLaren forward and, you know, trouble Mercedes and Red Bull more often. On to the Turkish Grand Prix for this weekend. Um, just to confirm the times for each session. For FP1 is half nine on Friday in the morning, that is UK time. Practice two is at one. And then on Saturday, free practice three is at 10 a.m. And then qualifying at one. And the race will be at 1 p.m. UK time, just like it was in Sochi last time out. So it's not going to be a 10 minutes past 10 um, race start time, well, like it was last year, which is actually the earliest time for a race start in the UK since the pandemic had begun, but it's not going to be a repeat of that this year. No, I, I remember that uh, that race well, um, because I think I had to leave um, my house about um, two minutes before the race actually finished, uh, because my uh, my old day job decided to um, to change my uh, rotor about 20 minutes before the race began. So um, those were those were back, back in those days of, of last season and, and COVID and all of that. But um, it's there, I think the race is going to be good. Um, I'm glad it's not as early. I'm glad it, I, I get a lion still. Um, don't have to wake up as early as some of the races this season. But I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, in terms of who I would go for, as in like performance-wise, um, I think Verstappen it will probably get pole. I think he's on a he's a, he's on a good run. He's got that uh, not fresh engine, but newer compared to other drivers. I think Lewis will. Uh, either take his his penalty here, Mexico, or uh, you know uh, the US Grand Prix, uh, if those two go ahead still. And the win, I'd say Verstappen as well. Uh, I'd say Bottas uh, second, uh, if he doesn't spin as much as he did in last year's race um, when Hamilton actually lapped him. And I'll say Alonso for third, purely because I'm not that uh, controversial to some. I'm not that impressed with Perez so far. Um, especially over the last few races, I think he needs to be performing better. And Alonso is a driver who can capitalise on certain situations. So if we get a bit of a, a crazy race, he can get his uh, first podium since 2014. Jordan, who are you thinking for this weekend? I mean, I was just thinking about Aston Martin Alpine because we haven't spoken enough about them um, in this podcast. Aston Martin, previously known as Racing Point, took pole position at the track last year. And they could be, I don't know what, I don't know how, where they'll be um, by the time the weekend does begin, because they still, I still feel that they're somewhat off the pace to the top four teams right now. Yeah, uh, it's a tough one. Um, obviously, Lance got pole last year, and then obviously Sergio Perez was on the podium. And so was Sebastian Vettel, who now drives for Aston Martin. So they know what they can do in this car. Hopefully they do. Um, it is tough. Obviously, we've seen them struggle quite a lot compared to last year. And 
I do want them to do well, but it's the fact of we need to be realistic about it and not get our hopes up too good and maybe aim for top 10 finishes for both drivers. Um, unless something crazy absolutely happens and we could see them on the podium. Um, I don't know. I think they're always there at the time when the cookie crumbles and they get a podium or so on. Um, but I can't call if they will do good this weekend or not. Um, and as for Alpine, obviously we've seen what they can do. Um, Alonso is very good at defending. Um, from other drivers and obviously helped Esteban get his first win. Um, so I wouldn't write them to off though. I think they could do quite well here. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Tom, who do you, I mean, George Russell has been in splendid form for Williams lately. Um, is Q3 a possibility for him at Istanbul? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, kind of my prediction whilst we were just talking about this last thing I was actually thinking about George Russell and I think he's going to have a really good race um, I think he can get into it I think he's he's really confident and again he's just doing wonders with the car at the moment the Williams and they're not they're not doing too bad I, I know obviously they've they've had terrible past seasons as well but they're they're going okay at the moment so although they're in eighth uh, he's doing wonders with the car. I can see him probably squeezing into Q3, potentially finishing in the points. Um, I don't think he'll, unless, you know, weather dependent, I, I don't really see him finishing within the top top six, seven. Maybe I, I, I feel he'll probably squeeze into eighth or ninth. Um, but yeah, again, I can't wait to see what he does in the Mercedes next season, but yeah, you know, we can still finish this season really strong. Predictions time. Um, Will, I know you've just mentioned your predictions, but just remind us again, just so that we, in case we've forgotten. I think I, I got a bit excited and jumped the gun there. Um, Verstappen for, for pole position um, and then Verstappen to, to win the race as well. Uh, Bottas to finish second and uh, Fernando Alonso to take third. Uh, if I were to say like a, a freak prediction, maybe... Um, one of the Aston Martins on the front row, if uh, if things go there well. Uh, obviously, Vettel last year, very impressive start uh, off uh, off of the line um, and then capitalised on Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez tangling towards the end to, to get his uh, only podium of last season, I think it was. He only scored one in Turkey. Um, well, that was... Well, he scored a podium in Turkey. He won in Sakir as well, uh, did Perez, but it was Vettel. Oh, um, Vettel. Vettel, yeah. So, yeah, it was Vettel's only podium last year. So, um, so yeah. Um, so you're saying Verstappen for pole, Verstappen victory, Bottas second, Alonso third. Bearing in mind, Will, it could, it could well rain this weekend. It really could. Fernando Alonso is a good driver in the rain. He's a good all-rounder. Yeah, OK, fair enough. Jordan, who are you tipping for your top three and pole sitter? Um, for pole, I will say Lewis. Um, but I think Verstappen will get the win just because I think Lewis is going to have taken an engine penalty. Um, second, oh, I'll probably say Bottas as well. And then I'm going to go third with Lando. Okay. Tom, who are you going for poll here? And who is in your top three for the race? If Hamilton doesn't take a penalty, I, I think Hamilton, based on his experience, I think Mercedes do well anyway. Um, again, he's... 
yeah, Hamilton for me in, in terms of pole position. If not, again, Verstappen. I don't really see Bottas. I think he's, again, I, I just don't see Bottas coming in the in, in the top two. Maybe third position, but I'd probably put, if there's a penalty, I'd say it went Verstappen, second, probably Norris, and third. I'm going to go with Leclerc, actually. I just just got a feeling he's he's going to do well in this race. Yeah, I think whether Mercedes will take the penalty for Hamilton, I think depends on how Red Bull do on the track. Mm. So, um, so that's my um, that's my perception of it. And my prediction is that Verstappen will be on pole, Hamilton to win the race, Verstappen second, and Charles Leclerc to finish on the podium for Ferrari. He needs a good result. Um, does Leclerc? Um, he had a shocker um, in Russia, it has to be said. So we're just hoping to see him fight back this time and get on the podium, something which I don't think he's had um, this season so far. That's all we've got time for this week. Thank you to all of those who listened in to today's show. Next week, we'll, Will will be back with me, along with L.A. Wilshaw and Manena Manatel, to, uh, to review the Turkish Grand Prix in Istanbul. From Will, Tom, Jordan, and all of us at Motorsport Week, enjoy the racing this weekend, and it's goodbye. <laughs>